He's the one we're living for. We continue on uh, in a series that Dennis started us off last week. Timid tips. Uh, no, t- 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 it was all like eight T's or seven, 17 T's, wasn't it? Timely tips for timid people. Trouble times. Toothpaste. Pterodactyl. Oh, it's... Pterodactyl starts with a P, doesn't it? Ah, I screwed it all up. The idea this morning... The encouragement is to stand up. Talking to Timothy, who is a young protege of of Paul. These are big words, not just for him, but for all of us. My mind goes to the book of Acts when we saw the apostles standing up and preaching in the marketplaces, teaching people about the truth of God and the coming kingdom. And the observation of these men was that something was up because they were just ordinary people like you and me. They had no formal Bible training. The observation people made was these men must have been with Jesus. That's the kind of God we serve. If we are going to stand up and be strong, may it not be because we are clever or because we're Bible experts but because of what the Spirit is doing in in us and around us. It's not because of our greatness that we stand strong for Christ. It is because Christ is strong. Amen? Let's focus on the proper greatness, yeah? Father God, we stand in awe of your greatness this morning. We've chosen to take our eyes off of our silly little lives that you want and you say belong to you and and put them in your direction. We have seen what you've done in the past. We've seen what you've said about yourself. And we're convinced that if you stand with us, then nothing can stand against us. And so we should stand. We pray that you teach us how to do that this morning. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Go ahead. Hey, every week we come together, um, people make great sacrifices in order for us to be able to worship together and had great music this morning. What you may not know is that Jeff, our bass player, he got off work this morning at six, right? Worked all night and he can still play a bass like that. Isn't that incredible? That's great. That's great. Everybody makes sacrifices in order that people can come to know God and come to know him better. And that's, that's what we're about. I'm Dennis. It's great to welcome you to Southfield this morning. Uh, As you walked in, you received a folder. Why don't you take that out? There's a card on the inside, and and today, we say every week, it's important to get your name on there, get a way of contact you on there. But today it's extra important because toward the end of the service, we're going to be talking about some opportunities coming up during the summer, and and we want to make sure that you get that information on here first now so that you're not worrying about that uh, a little bit later on in the service. If it's your first time with us, we always welcome you. It's great to have you here today. Uh, As you're leaving today, you'll notice there's a table right outside the door, a gift there for you that we'd like to give you just to say thanks for coming and being our guest today. So thanks so much. Last week, we started a new series. It's called Timely Tips for Timid People in Troubled Times or Troublesome Times. Uh, the truth is that, that when we're going through times that are difficult, when, when people don't agree with 
what we're saying, what we're preaching or whatever, uh, we can tend to duck. We can tend to, to be timid, to, to be fearful, to not want to, to speak the truth with boldness. And, and, and that's not just a, a mark of our own times. It, it goes all the way back to people in the Bible who are commanded by God to deliver a message to God's people. And they're like, man, but if I say that, people will be offended. Or if I say that, I'll lose friends. Or if I'll say that, you know, in their case, I'll end up in prison or I'll, I may get killed for, for what I say and for what I believe. Uh, we need to know that God wants us to stand up, to be strong uh, when, it, when times are troublesome. So we've been looking at the book of 2 Timothy. Last week we started with the theme that we need to stir up, stir up the gift that God has given us. And in particular, he's talking about stirring up that calling. God's called you to something. He's called me to something that he wants us to do. And we don't protect that. We don't hide it. Uh, but we use that calling to its full purpose. And then the, the, fans are, the, fan, the flames of faith are fanned. They, they glow brightly. Uh, the coals of your calling are stoked. And once again, you're doing what God is calling you to do. You may remember, as we talked about that last week, that the theme of, of really of a large part of the book comes down to 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, where he says, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God wants us to be people who are, who are bold, and yet at the same time not obnoxious who are courageous and at the same time not abrasive, people who are willing to take a stand, a strong stand for Jesus Christ and his cause. And we're going to do something this morning a little different than normal. What I'd like to do today is just go ahead and read the second chapter of Timothy together. Uh, if you want, you brought a Bible today, you can turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, or you can, you can uh, follow along with us on the screen. But I'd like to just go ahead and read through this chapter right now. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, it says, Timothy, my dear son, remember Paul is writing this, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. I love the way he says this. Think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. <clears throat> Always remember that Jesus Christ a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything. Catch that. I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those who God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. And if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Remind everyone about these things. 
and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer, or or it could also be translated, spreads like gangrene, as in the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. And in this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with the inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the Master to use you for every good work. Run, run, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Verse 23. Again I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, and patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. That's the chapter. We've read it together. I'd encourage you to be reading the chapters during the week. Uh, This coming week we'll obviously be looking at chapter 3. Read it a couple times during the week. You'll be amazed at how much better prepared you are for the learning we do together on a Sunday morning if you'll just spend some time reading through it. On your own. The other thing I'd encourage you to do is read the whole book. It's only four chapters long. And I'd read it in one sitting. It should take you probably about 20 minutes to go ahead and read through the book and get a feel of, of broadly what's going on in the passage. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the words of, of Paul to Timothy, and I pray today that we will hear them as, as words given to us as well. For we do live in troublesome times. We live in times that people are turning hard and fast away from faith. And it's more difficult than it has been in the past uh, to say your name with boldness and not wonder what people will think of us. So I pray that you will help us through the words you said to Timothy to be bold and courageous rather than being timid and fearful. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Some things don't belong together. Do you agree? I mean, there, there are just some things that should never, ever, ever be put together. I think, for example, of peanut butter and liverwurst. Uh, I don't think those two things belong together. In fact, the more I think about it, anything in liverwurst. 
we should just not eat liverwurst. Now, I know I realize I just offended about 1.3 people in the room. I can live with that. That's okay. It's not a problem with me. Uh, just do away with liverwurst. We don't need it. Uh, I found this one intriguing. This is chocolate, fancy chocolate, and it's chili flavored. Uh, yeah, I ood as well. I mean, it actually talks about it being spicy. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, that's weird, hot chocolate. Ooh, well, maybe they do go together after all. I'm not quite sure about that. There's some uh, billboard placement around our, around our country that is a little bit confusing. Send some mixed messages. Message about child obesity at the top. And, of course, let's go get our McDonald's at the bottom. Uh, this one was interesting. Gun show on the top. Affordable caskets on the bottom. Maybe they do belong together. I'm not quite sure. Uh, the, this one was kind of intriguing as well. Don't serve teen to, alcohol to teens right next to the, the Bud Light the Bud Light poster. Yeah, that works. This one, I, I'm just going to go ahead and admit my ignorance this morning, okay? I pulled this one up. I look for things that don't belong together, and I saw this. It's got the skull in the back. Don't mix them. Gas and whiskey. I'm like, who's the fool that would mix gas and whiskey? That's weird. It's don't drink and drive. I get it now. I'm kind of dumb, but anyway, whatever. And now for all of you mathletes, all two of you, math and alcohol don't mix. Don't drink and drive. Yes, I knew, I knew Rod would laugh. I knew it. I, I, I actually, as I was practicing it, I knew Rod would laugh. Uh, math and humor don't belong together either, do they? My daughter's a math major. Fortunately, she's not here this morning. She does listen to the podcast. I know I'll get a text for that one, but whatever. How about this one? Fitness and running. Fitness and running and, and just getting in good shape. Uh, they don't really go with fast food, do they? I mean, you think, well, if I run more, I could... Maybe handle that, but no, really. I mean, if you want to get fit, uh, you should be getting rid of that stuff. And, and then how about this one? Think about a soldier on patrol or a soldier on guard. Just get the image in your mind. When you think of a soldier that is standing watch, could you ever imagine them sitting in an Adirondack chair? It doesn't go together, does it? Those two things, they just don't belong together. Lounging soldiers endanger themselves, they endanger fellow soldiers, and they really put the mission at risk overall. I googled, I, you know, I'm just kind of going through and trying to come up with images, and I thought, uh, let me find a, a soldier in an Adirondack chair. Couldn't find it. How about just a soldier relaxing? Well, these are the images that came up of soldiers just taking a break. I don't know about you, I'm looking at these images. None of them look very comfortable, do they? None of them look like a, a guy that's just, that's just lounging and relaxing. All of them are, are still in, in a situation of, of difficulty, if you ask me. If you did see a soldier who was on guard in a lounge chair, in an Adirondack chair, if a commanding officer saw a person doing that, a soldier doing that, I'm pretty confident I know what would bark out of his mouth. I don't know army, army lingo and whatever, but I would put it this way. Stand up. Stand up. Get back on your feet. You've got a job to do. What in the world are you doing lounging? It's interesting that in chapter 2 of Timothy, Paul uses 
military imagery, athletic imagery, and farming to convey a really important message to Timothy. He says, Timothy, you've got to stand. You've got to take a stand. You've got to stand up. As we've already said, Timothy had a tendency to be timid and fearful, to shrink back. And Paul said, no, when the going gets tough, you have to stand tall. Put your head up. Don't duck. Don't cover. Don't run. He began the chapter by saying, my dear son, Timothy, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Be strong. Take a stand. I know it's kind of funny that when people naturally think about Christianity, the word strength is not the word that comes to their mind. You tend to think of someone who's rather weak. They became a Christian because of their weakness, because they had problems. I mean, you don't think of strength. In fact, when we think of someone as strong, we we think of them as being kind of abrasive and gruff. And Christians are supposed to be meek and mild. We're not supposed to be strong. But, But Paul makes it clear to us. We're not only supposed to stir up the gift, the calling that we have, but we're just supposed to stand up. We're supposed to take a stand in our lives for truth. Now you might ask as you're looking at, at Paul, at Timothy, why would Paul make this reference to him that you need to be strong, that you need to take a stand? Well, as we said, he's facing troublesome times, just like we face troublesome times. I'll give you some of the things that, that might have been pressing on him. We saw in 2 Timothy 2, 2, that he had this responsibility now to take the truth that had been given to him and pass it on to another generation of people who could pass it on to a, yet another generation of people. You see, he had an important job to do. I mean, this is a, an important job. This is, this is a relay, a relay of faith, and now it's his turn. And he needs to do this hard work, and sometimes in that hard work, there are setbacks. And Paul said, you're going to have to stand tall, stand strong, even when the work is hard. He also said, you're going to have to stand strong because you're going to face opposition, and you're going to to suffer. This third verse says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A lot of people think Christianity is about comfort. It's kind of a a warm blanket of faith or something like that. No, it's quite the opposite. The Bible is pretty clear that if you're going to stand strong for Christ, you're going to suffer sometimes. In fact, their suffering for Paul led to prison and ultimately led to his death. I'm sure that this, this soldier imagery was very vivid for Paul right now as he's sitting in prison and he has people standing guard over him. He sees the hardship that a soldier goes through, the undistracted lifestyle that they have to live in. And he's saying, I'm watching these people who who basically are willing to, to serve and die for the cause of protecting people. We're up for the cause of Jesus Christ. My goodness, we should be willing to endure suffering for that. And we saw in in verse 9 that he says, it's because I preach the good news that I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. And then that optimistic line, but the word of God cannot be chained. Uh, They can put me in chains, but the word of God cannot be stopped. Paul is not suffering because he did something wrong. He's suffering because he stood up for what was right. And he says, we need to take a stand. And sometimes taking that stand will lead to suffering. So he needed to be strong because he had an important job to do and because he would face suffering. But he also needed to be strong because there were going to be times that he was going to have to oppose foolishness. 
He was going to have to come up against some things that honestly at times just wear us out. He said, remind everyone about these things and command them to, in God's presence to stop fighting over words. He talks about the fact that there were, that there were Christians and non-Christians that were just debating over things that really didn't matter at all. In fact, in verse 23, he says, don't get involved with foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. And we'll look at what that meant more in a few minutes. But, but Paul's saying, you're going to have to stand strong sometimes when you're just having to endure foolishness. Don't back down. Don't get dragged into the fights. Deliver the truth. Break them up if you can. Uh, but you're going to have to stand strong, not duck, not run, not cover. Stand up. Now, I was thinking about this whole thing of standing. If you're going to stand as a soldier in particular, there are two things every soldier needs to know. If you're going to stand, you've you've got to know this. You've got to know what we're for and what we're against. I mean, a good soldier knows the mission and they know why we're doing this. And a good soldier knows what the enemy is. Where to point the weapon. Uh, you've got to know those two things. So as we are trying to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ, there are two things we need to know. What are we for? What are we standing for affirmatively? And what are we standing against? What is it that, that God is calling us to oppose? Well, when it comes to standing up for something, Paul is very clear. We need to stand up for truth. We need to stand up for truth. And in particular, in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, he says we need to stand up for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be be willing to deliver to other people the reason for the hope that is within us. We need to be able to tell them about why in the world God can make a difference in their life. You've got to know what you're standing for. Do you stand up? Do you stand up in order to tell other people about what God can do in their life through Jesus. And and again, looking at verse 10, I mean, what a beautiful theme. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. I mean, he's in prison, he's going to die, and he says, I will go through any hardship, any hardship at all, if it means other people will be brought to Christ. Standing up means speaking up. It means speaking up. Are you willing to speak up in those moments and, like we said last week, say, I'm with him. I'm a Christ follower, and this is what it, this is what it means. I wonder, at, at, what point, at what point does it just come, become too pricey for you? You think, I can't do that. I can't stand up. It would cost too much. Paul says, I will do anything. I'll endure anything in order to bring Others into the kingdom of God. I kind of wonder what if we all adopted this life mission statement, something that went like this. I want to take as many people with me to heaven as possible. That's what my life is about. I want to take as many people with me to heaven as possible. You should go ahead and ponder that through the week. What would it be like if we committed ourselves, like Paul, to say, I will stand for the truth. I want to make sure other people have the opportunity to enter into a relationship with God. So we stand for the truth of the gospel, and even more broadly, we just stand for truth. We just stand for all truth. 
there are more aspects of, of truth than just the gospel itself. He says, the things you've heard from me, take and pass on to others, who will then pass on to others as well. There are truths of doctrine and theology, of morality and behaviors of, and actions and attitudes. They're all truth. It's all the truth of the word of God. And, and Paul says, you've got to stand up. You've got to be willing to stand up and proclaim, this is what God says. This is the truth. This is the truth of the word of God. Uh, you know, even when other people are screaming, hey, you, down in front, stop standing. Just, uh, you're, you're getting in our way. We need to stand strong. For the gospel. Now the question then is, how do we stand? How do we stand for truth? What does that look like? Well, Paul gives us clearly how we do that in 2 Timothy 2.15. A verse that if you were in Awana, you still hear it in King James. You can't get away from it. But here's what it says. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. If you're going to stand for the truth, you've got to know the truth. And you're not going to get to know the truth by just showing up here once a week and listening to a message for a half hour and then turning off for the rest of the week and coming back for another. You've got to learn the truth on your own. You've got to spend time in the Bible learning what the truth is. It's vital for every one of us. He says, he says that we've got to, we won't be ashamed, we'll correctly handle the word of truth because we've worked hard. I, there, I think there are a lot of people that just believe reading the Bible should just, it should be easy. It should be like reading the paper. Oh, look, that was nice. It, it should, I read it and boom. There's hard work involved in getting to know the truth of the word of God. You've got to dig into it. You're going to have to do some work for that. Unfortunately, we fall into a, an era that if you're in a group of people and we're talking about truth, they'll usually start a statement with something like this. Well, I think. And unfortunately, the well, I think is a lot of times based on an uninformed opinion as opposed to the truth of the word of God. Because we've now decided we're the truth authorities instead of saying, no, the Bible is the truth authority. Or, well, I feel an uninformed emotion. Emotions are great. But emotions can be misleading. We've got to dig into the word of God, standing for the gospel, standing for the truth. It's going to take endurance and it's going to take diligent study. So we've got to we've got to dig in, dig in and find out what the word of God has to say. We need to stand up, stand up for truth. So the opposite side, it's not only what we stand for. But what do we stand against? Look at 2 Timothy 2.4. He says, Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. I would dare say that many of the soldiers of all times, whether it was the, the battlefields in World War II or Afghanistan today, there are not many soldiers that as they're in the middle of a heated battle stop and say, you know, I really should go talk to the realtor and find out how much land is in this area. Hmm, that house looks really nice. That's not where their head is right now. Their head is on the mission. Their head is on the task. And they know that if they get distracted... It could cost them their life. It could cost a fellow soldier their life. It could risk the entire mission. You see, a soldier, what a soldier stands against is distractions, both external distractions 
and internal distractions. And that's what we need to stand against. Anything that would distract us from what God is calling us to do. The distractions he gets into in this text are the distractions of of false teaching, false teachers, and misguided followers. We saw this a few times as we read the chapter. He said, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is no value. It only ruins those who listen. Later, he talked about this idea, avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. And then he talked specifically about two people in the church who had actually come up with their own theory on the resurrection, the theory that the resurrection had already taken place. And and sadly, what does it say at the end? That what they believed had actually caused other people to wander away from the faith to stop being part of what was going on. Paul says, my goodness, one of the things you're going to have to stand strong against is the distraction of false teaching, false teachers, and misguided followers. Now, it's interesting, when he's talking about this false teaching, he's also talking not only about false teaching, but really just about silly thoughts, things that people come up with that are, that are complete and total distractions from what really matters. I think one of the enemy's greatest weapons against us as believers is to distract us to get us running down bunny trails that just don't matter we get our eyes off the gospel and onto things that aren't really all that important we get bogged down in things that are irrelevant i'll give you some suggestions this morning and i know that even as i suggest it someone's going to say well that's not a bunny trail that's that's important that's huge Sometimes people can get so wrapped up in in prophecy issues. I mean, they just want to know all the intricate details. You know, in my own lifetime, I've read books on Saddam Hussein being the Antichrist. I've read books on uh, Mikhail Gorbachev had to be the Antichrist because of the birthmark. If you turn it just right, there's a 666 hiding in there. People taking all this time to try to figure out who is this evil world leader that's going to take everything over. And here's Jesus saying, That's not the point. But we still, we still get bogged down in that stuff, in stuff that that Paul is saying, that's just a distraction. Why are you wandering over there? Sometimes current topics can can get us off track. I remember going way back now. uh, First time I heard the term Y2K was from an older lady in our church. She came up to me and she said, what's our church going to do about Y2K? I'm like, what are you talking about? She says, you know, when, 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 when 2000 comes, all the computers are going to start working and all the bread's going to leave the stores and there's going to be national panic and utter disaster. What's our church going to do about it? And, and I am very intelligent. Wait, because I've been to seminary. I said, I don't know. <laughs> and she looked at me and she's like, what do you mean you don't know? She was kind of intense about it. Talked later to a relative and she just thought I was a, a nut for not having a Y2K plan. How could I not have a Y2K plan? You know what? There are churches in our area and all over the country that came up with radical Y2K plans. Sell everything. Buy gold. Do this. Do that. Get all the beans in your closet that you can. I mean, they went nuts with it. And then Y2K plus one happened. And they went, wow, we have a lot of beans. What are we going to do with them? And there are churches that lost credibility because they spent time on a distraction rather than on things that matter. Now, I guarantee you, someone's sitting here saying, hey, those beans are good. We're still eating them to this day. That's nice, whatever. The point is, we can get bogged down in silly stuff. The gospel matters. 
The truth of what's in the Word of God matters. And it, sometimes we get so, oh, we're into speculation and all these things that, that feel stimulating. But my goodness, there's a lot of Bible there to master first. Let's focus on that first. Let's focus on the truth first. I promise you that'll take a lifetime in and of itself. So how do we stand against those who would distract us, false teachers and misguided followers? I love this part. Because we're talking about standing, right? We're talking about being bold. He says, this is how you stand. Don't have anything to do with foolish arguments. You know they only produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everybody, able to teach, not resentful. i got to be honest with you. I have a hard time being patient with people that are presenting me a silly argument. And the Bible says, well, tough. You've got to be patient. In fact, it goes further to say, opponents must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. What helps us a lot is to see a person not as a combatant but as a captive. They're a captive of the enemy when it comes to things like this. And we need to pray that they're guided toward truth. We know that we need to stand against the distractions of false teachers false teaching, and misguided followers. Paul talks about another distraction. That was our external distraction. Our internal distraction, 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on God out of a pure heart. He says you've got to stand against evil desires. Now, part of the implication of this is sexual desires, but it really goes beyond that. It talks about youthful desires. And those desires can include lust for power, lust for control, lust for possessions. Uh, Youthful desires are really what? They're immature desires. They're things that don't really matter. He says run away from those things. You know why he says you need to stand He says you need to stand because you need to get on your legs and run. Run in the other direction. This is one time that you run away from the distraction. And later in this part of the chapter, he talked about this idea of in a a large house, there is the gold and silver items and also the wooden clay items. For us, let's put it this way. In our house, there's the dinnerware that you use every day, and then there's the stuff in the cabinet in the dining room that comes out four times a year. He's got these two things going on. And he says, what you want to be is the Thanksgiving dish. You want, to be, you want to be the Thanksgiving flatware. You don't want to be the everyday. You don't want to be the paper plate. And he says, you know how to know the difference between the two? When you keep yourself pure, you're useful for the master for every good work. He says, our lack of purity is a distraction. When we allow ourselves to become impure, it's a distraction. It keeps us from being able to be usable for God the way he desires. It says flee, run from the evil desires of youth. Don't just stand there. Don't toy with it. Don't tolerate it. Don't think, well, I can handle it. The Bible says, no, you can't. Run from it. We looked at this passage a couple of weeks ago, bring it up again, in Psalm 1, where he talks about this progression of evil. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Do you see the progression? You go from you're walking along to you stop and linger to before you know it, you've pulled up a chair at the table. And Paul's saying the opposite. No, stand up from the chair, get on your legs and start to run. 
It's not the only place in the Bible that talked, Paul talks about running from youthful desires. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. In fact, even in the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy just before this, he said, you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from these evil things. Pursue righteousness in a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. It says you stand so you can run away from what is bad. And he also used the other word there, so that you can pursue what is good. So why are we standing? We're standing for the truth. We're standing for the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God. We're standing against distractions, whether the distractions are theological errors or just silly thoughts that people have. And we're standing against anything that will keep us impure, anything that will cause us to lust after something other than longing for God. If you're going to stand, you need to know two things. What are you for and what are you against? Do you know? I suspect that part of the reason some of us struggle with standing in troublesome times is because we don't even know what we're for or what we're against. We don't know what we're for in the Word of God, and we don't know what breaks the heart of God. And so we don't know what to stand against. But God says to us by the words of Paul, that every one of us need to stand up. We need to stand up for the truth. And we need to stand against distractions. Let's talk to our Father right now. Dear God in heaven, it's not always easy to stand. I guess that's part of the reason Paul told Timothy he needed to do it. When times get troublesome, we want our heads to be just low enough that nobody notices we're standing there. We're in the room. And you're calling on a generation of people who will be willing to stand tall, to get out front and to say, this is truth. This is the way to God, and this is what God desires. You're looking for a generation of people who will be willing to say, there are things I stand against. I will stand against false teaching, and I'll know how to defend the Bible to other people. And I will stand against anything in my life that will cause me to be impure and unusable for my Father. I pray that the fear and the timidity within us would diminish as more and more every time we are willing to follow your command to take a stand. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a couple moments, our servers are going to come and uh, give us communion. You have two cups stacked together, bread on the bottom and juice on the top. And today, as you participate in communion, I want you to think of the fact that Jesus' death, uh, that, was a, that was a high price for the truth, wasn't it? I mean, when we think about the high price we pay for truth, a lot of times it's so small. So somebody doesn't like us as much as they used to, or, or somebody has a, 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 says something bad about us. Jesus died for truth. 
Paul died for truth. Others were willing to give the ultimate price, to stand for what was right and to stand against distractions. So as you're taking communion this morning, think about that in your own life. What price is too high for you to stand? What price is too high? We should be able to, like Paul, say, I will endure anything, anything for the cause of Christ. know this truth, that it is only through Jesus Christ that a person can have a relationship with God, that it is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we can have the life that God intended for us. We know this truth. God, do we stand up for this truth? Are we willing to stand up and say, I know the answer? And the answer is Jesus Pray that you will give us that kind of boldness, that that the timidity and the fear that we tend to feel will diminish as we are willing to stand and say, I'm with him. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, John Beaker is going to be coming and uh, sharing an announcement with us about what's going on in the summer. So come on up, John. And as he does, would you go ahead and get your, you need your folder out for this and your card. Go ahead, John. I'm going to say a phrase. I want you to think about it with me for a second. The phrase is, I can trust God no matter what. Think about that. I can trust God no matter what. No matter what my circumstances are, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what's happening to me in school, in work, in my job, my financial situation, I can trust him no matter what. It's a pretty good message. It's a great lesson for us to know a great lesson for our kids to know. I'm really excited because this summer we are going to be uh, doing something that is really, really cool. But before I tell you about that, I've got to take you back over a decade to before Y2K. The year was 1999, and our church dared to dream the impossible. We dared to dream that we could reach kids in our community uh, with the message of Jesus Christ that we could have an impact in our community. And it was impossible for a lot of reasons. It was impossible because we were an aging congregation. It was impossible because we didn't have a lot of kids in our ministry. We we had 20. But we dared to dream. We dared to pray. And we dared to try some things that we had never tried before. You know what God did? God did the impossible. We were able to minister to not just 20 kids, 320 kids during the course of that summer. Kids' lives were changed. Families' lives were changed. Kids were brought to Christ because of what happened during that time. And for me personally, the reason I'm excited about talking about uh, working with kids, especially over the summer, is because that was a moment in my life that I took a, a step of obedience, a step of trying something that I had never tried before. Uh, I was scared out of my mind when Kim Papp asked me, would you come and help uh, teach or do something in order to help reach kids for Christ? And I, that was the, 
the one time I can look back, there are a handful of moments in my life that I can point to and say, that was an important step. I didn't know at the time how important that step was going to be, but it's transformed my life over the last 13 years. And I, I am hopeful that uh, as we start to dream again, as we start to dream for what's going to happen this summer with Summerland, we're, we're doing something again that's out of the ordinary, a little bit different. Because summer's supposed to be the time when you sit back and relax and, and you, know, you don't amp things up. That's when you wind things down and you kind of coast through the summer. That's not what we're doing. We're dreaming again about the way that God can work in the lives of our kids this summer. We are daring to dream, we are daring to pray, and we are excited about what God is going to do and the way he's going to use us. There are so many needs that we have, so many different ways that you can get involved. I'm going to let Dennis talk about what's on the back of your card, but I would just encourage you to think about this. You never know when a small step of uh, taking on a challenge and obedience to Christ is going to make a huge difference in your life. Who knows? 1999 was that moment for me. Maybe this will be that moment for you. I know it's hard for you to imagine. For a lot of you, John is one of the first faces that you saw when you came to Southfield. Some of you went, whoo, there's a lot of juice there. You know, you kind of, you jumped back a little bit. You started hugging the wall because you were afraid, things like that. Uh, John was scared spitless getting involved with doing what he did that summer. Just frightened. I remember talking about it. He was so nervous about it, and he took that step. If you look at your card and your folder, there are a lot of opportunities involved that you could do at different times during the summer, all kinds of different things, areas you could use your gift or areas that you might say, oh, I've never tried that. Maybe it's time to, maybe it's time to try something different. Um, I know this is the first time you're looking, and it's not like we're saying, okay, we're going to staff the whole thing right now, and we're going to sit here and play music until you fill out your card. No, we're not, we're not going that way. But for some of you, you already know, and you're like, yeah, I'm interested in learning more about that. For others of you, it might take a minute. We're going to go ahead and send an email out during the week uh, so that you can go ahead and respond to that. And for the next couple of weeks, you'll get a chance to go ahead and get involved in this. But really want to encourage you, this is your chance to, to jump in, Try something you haven't done for a long time and do something that I think is really going to be a, a bold step in helping to reach kids in our area for Christ. So our servers are going to come right now. They're going to collect the offering. If you have your card ready, put it in. You can come. That's okay. And honestly, if you don't have your card ready and, and you're like hesitant about it, but you think you will be in the next four minutes, you can hand it to me on the way out the door. All right? So, but if you want to learn more, you can see Kim. I don't make her stand because then I get in trouble all week long, but she's waving over there. Talk to her about, about the opportunities. Something happened this past week that was really fun. We've been working. We talked at the beginning of the year about doing a series of, of serves throughout our year. Uh, the serve that we did in January was serving homeless people. We made up those homeless bags and got those out to people who needed help. We're going to do another serve over Memorial Day. And the, and the theme of that is going to be remembering people who've been forgotten. People who would be easily overlooked and forgotten. And just this past week, we went and got six pallets of supplies for what we're going to be doing for those forgotten people. You can go look at it on Facebook and guess what's hiding in there. So thankful to Ray Caps, He took his trailer with us and we got those loaded up and, and are ready to go ahead and do another great serve. So that'll be Memorial Day weekend. It'll be a day that we'll be meeting at the warehouse. And again, a lot like New Year's Day, getting a, a great serve together to remember people who've been forgotten. So why don't you stand?
after all we talked about this morning, you better not sit. Stand up and let's go ahead and sing.